At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first 2-in-1 removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. All right, it's another film study. This is a very busy week, so I think we'll just get some stuff up on the front here for what we're going to do this week. And then we've got a great interview right after the break where we will talk with Dominique Foxworth about Lamar Jackson and a whole lot more. Ken McCusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I am all good. I enjoyed the bye week. It was fun to watch football and it all go in favor of the Ravens without the Ravens having to play. I, mean, I don't know if it all went in favor at a few games not go the way they they wanted. Certainly that Denver game, we'd have liked them to beat Indianapolis, right. but I know what you mean. Well, yeah, but yeah, that Denver defense blows everything at the end of the game. It's amazing. <laughs> but at least in division, 
I mean, we'll see. I assume the Steelers will beat Miami tonight, but we'll see. Likely. Yep. Uh, Ken, let's just do it right here at the top. Fill me in with everything that's going on this bye week because we've got a lot going on. Yeah, we got we do have quite a bit. So this week on the bye week, of course, is when we break down the roster, offense and defense, look at the players and how they're contributing relative to cap. We have two podcasts coming up and two articles coming up. So the articles will be out. Uh, one is out today. That's Monday, uh, the 28th. The other will be out on either the 29th or the 30th on the offense. The defense is out currently. Um, standard format you've seen before from me. And then we have special guest Brian McFarland will be coming on uh, to talk about both of these uh, roster evaluations and, and, and go through that in a lot of detail. Uh, so if you have questions about the cap and you're listening to this, you'll have a chance to get them in for Brian and, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get to some of those questions. Uh, we have this, this obviously interview with, with Dominique and we have a Know Your Foe episode coming up with uh, a Patriots fan uh, on Wednesday that we're really looking forward to, Mark Schofield. All right. And we also have a short this week. We do. We do. And it's a, it's a good short. A lot of people out there have, have approached me about how to get involved in analytics. I want you to take a very serious look at Zach Binney's uh, analysis of 11 versus 22 running uh, personnel, running, running out of different personnel groups, and what advantages you can get, relatively speaking, from those two. It's great stuff, and it really gets at the heart of how you need to be very careful in sorting and making sure you have proper control groups when you do a study. And uh, it's, it's, a good, it's a good topic anyway, but it's an even more important topic if you're trying to get into analysis. All right, so the Ravens this week don't play until Sunday night, so you got a few extra hours, so we're giving you even more content. Four to five podcasts this week, multiple articles up on the site. Make sure you're checking all that out. Uh, let's, just, let's take the break here and come back with Dominique Foxworth. All right, Ken. Joining us is uh, now Dominique Foxworth. It's been over a year since we've had him on the show. We had him on before we even saw Lamar take the field as a Raven. Uh, Dominique is all over ESPN. He's all over the undefeated. He's got a weekly show on the undefeated. I don't give a damn. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at Foxworth24, and he's just the nicest guy, uh, at least at ESPN, maybe in D.C. (laughs) Dominique, how are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing great, man. Thank you guys for having me, and thanks for the great introduction. Hey, you, you keep saying yes. I always give you an out, and you always you always say, <laughs> of course I'll come on. Oh, yeah, I mean, because you're a good guy, and you, I can come on. And I mean, I, I guess maybe I don't think I'm as important as maybe you think I am, because I, I think that I should do your podcast. So I'm happy that you'll have me on, but maybe next time you're giving me a hint. Maybe next time I should say no and, and flex a muscle. <laughs> We'll All right. Well, we we had you on last time, Dominique, uh, right after Lamar was jack was drafted in May of 2018, and you took us through a lot of things about what you saw in, in Lamar Jackson. I thought very prescient remarks, and in listening to this and, and seeing how much was really correct, I wanted you maybe to to talk through some of the things you've seen in terms of changes from Lamar between year one and year two, in terms of his his play on field, leadership, whatever you'd like to start with. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I had no much, I didn't have much kind of data points to look at for his leadership. Like he was the best player on the team in college, and it seemed like the team really believed in him. But college is different than the NFL. I think that's one of the more things that it's funny that you brought that up because it's one of the things that I think goes underappreciated is how confident the the team feels with him at the helm, even when he's not playing well. It seems like they're 
to end the game. And we've all, we all saw that clip where he kind of wanted to go for two in that Seattle game and that type of mm-hmm. stuff. Like I'm, I'm hesitant to kind of take one clip or one situation and say that that defines a person, but it's hard to argue with um, the rest of the results. When you see that one clip, it kind of speaks for the type of person that he is and kind of engenders um, confidence in even the coach and the team. So a place that's well run and as flexible as the Ravens. So I, I'm, I've been impressed with his maturation, but to be honest with you, when we talked before, I was really impressed with his ability to stand in the pocket because like everyone else, I remember before I broke down the film, I remember his highlights being a lot of uh, running, but that's not who he is though. He, he is capable of running. He is a pocket passer when asked to be, and he's shown that ability so far this season. Yeah, I, I think so too, Dominic. I mean, the pocket presence has been terrific. His awareness is good in the pocket, uh, but he progresses through reads well. Uh, and we've seen some things that I that I really like. There are still a couple of things in his game I'm not real crazy about. I think he short arms the ball to open receivers occasionally, but I'm just loving the way he looks down the field and keeps his eyes there. Yeah, I think general accuracy is, is a fair criticism of him. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever get to the point where we want it to be or where it could potentially be. And if he ever is like consistently accurate, uh, then I think we're looking at MVP. Honestly, we could be having an MVP discussion right now, but if he's ever consistently accurate, I think we're looking at like a perennial MVP candidate because if he can throw like that on every down basis, then it makes it so much easier. But now his running ability makes it so much easier for him to pass and, I think he's good enough, frankly, to be an MVP conversation right now. But he, we're looking at best quarterback in the league, I think, if he gets that level of accuracy. Well, you've seen a lot of quarterbacks come and go, obviously, over the years, Dominique. But it, I saw just such an amazing increase in accuracy from year one to two. I mean, the ball's coming out of his hand differently. Flight of the football looks completely different. Uh, he's very confident about where the ball's going. I, I don't know if I'm wrong to project some incremental improvement beyond that. Uh, but, but, you know, certainly based on year one to year two and, and the way he seems to be, you know, sucking up additional information to throw the ball more accurately, I would I would think more accuracy would be a reasonable assumption. Yeah, I mean, I sure hope so. But uh, it's hard for me to be able to project those sort of things because improvement normally isn't on a linear trajectory, at least not at, at this state. I think that there may be some burst of improvement, but I think it would be it would be unreasonable to expect him to to get as much better next year as he did between last year and this year. I think a lot of the improvement between last year and this year can be kind of chalked up to him actually being the guy, going into camp as the guy, and then building an offense around him and him preparing with all of the coach's attention and preparing with um, with all of the reps with the ones and all that stuff. And there's nothing to suggest that he's going to have that uh, that change in workload, if you understand what I'm saying, in his offseason, which could result in – a, a bigger jump because it's, they can't gear the offense around him anymore. They can't give him any more reps or give him any more attention. I think he can continue to focus on those things, but to some degree, I think that uh, it would be unfair to expect him to get as much better between last year and this year as he did. Because again, if he's able to do that, we're looking at uh, best quarterback in the league and, and that uh, that's a, a mighty big hill to climb. Yeah, very, very fair in there. Now, you mentioned how he's fitted the offense, how the offense is built around him. A lot of that is Greg Roman, of course, and his design, which I think has just been masterful in terms of layering on incremental concepts to keep opposing defenses fooled, particularly with the run game, 
where the Ravens don't have that third dimension to it, so to speak, um, it's very important to continually be showing surprises. What have you seen from the Ravens this year in terms of that? Yeah, I think it's been smart, and it's just uh, it, all good offensive coordinators do that. It's just they have a unique player, so it looks different than anybody else. But if you watch the Chiefs game last night, you see uh, an extra play added onto a package. So one thing that jumped out at me from that game is they ran a double shovel pass fake mm-hmm. to a, a deep crosser for Travis Kelsey. And I know that doesn't speak to the Ravens specifically, but it speaks to them adding something new every week, and all good teams do it. And so once you have success doing a particular play enough times, a team is going to practice and prepare for that. And you can anticipate that they're going to prepare for that. So having a wrinkle off of that that takes advantage of the the perceived kind of preparation, then I think that's smart. And they seem to be able to do that from week to week. And what makes them even more dangerous, and I know it's a broken record that everyone's heard over and over again, but it's Lamar's running ability that makes them so dangerous and makes them able to build on it because a play action doesn't necessarily need to end up in a pass. So normally once you see a quarterback play fake and you decipher that's a play fake, you're like, all right, let's get depth because now they're going to throw it. No, there's another dimension. Like, no, he might actually run it from here. So it's just hard for a defense to, to prepare for that. And if you know what you're doing, which it seems like Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson do know what they're doing, then uh, you should have the kind of advantage leg up from week to week. And it seems like the Ravens have had that for most of their games. Right. Uh, you mentioned play action there, and, and really the play action is multifaceted with Jackson because he's really got three sorts of play action he runs. And, and I guess most quarterbacks really have two most traditional quarterbacks. So he has the traditional turn your back 360 degrees play action, drop back or boot. Um, he has a, uh, a hand check kind of play action where he doesn't go into the mesh, but he, but he fakes a handoff. At least I categorize him this way. And then he has the full RPO play action where he goes all the way into the mesh, then comes out and throws the ball still. So he's really got multiple ways to, to fool the defense. The one I want to ask about specifically is the turn your back play action, because it seems to me that's less successful with Lamar than it was with Joe on the boot. And the boot is so much about, about fooling that single edge defender on the play side or on the backside, if you want to think about it from the, where the offensive line is going that I think Jackson with the extra eyes on him uh, it may be actually at more of a disadvantage. It's nice to get him on the edge, but the edge defender is less likely to be fooled in his case. As a defender, do you think that might be true? Yeah, I think that might be fair. But uh, if you're running a zone away from it, then that edge defender, that should open up a cutback lane for the running back. And if it doesn't open up a cutback lane, then they've essentially committed an extra man to the run, which would leave uh, the DBs and the uh, and man coverage with no help from the safety. So there is no solution to this. And maybe it's uh, incumbent on Lamar to learn how to beat these defenses or maybe the plays that they're running are, are not conducive to beating that. But that's the scary thing about Lamar is that there is no good defense. There is no perfect defense. There's no defense without a flaw. And, and thinking about them preparing for the Patriots and you think about how the Patriots were super blitz heavy against Sam Darnold and that one uh, Monday night game, you would anticipate that maybe they would do a similar thing to Lamar. But if Lamar breaks one tackle, that's a touchdown from anywhere on the field. So that's, uh, it's a little bit of different calculus for going up against him than you would against just about any other quarterback. Yeah. been been certainly very exciting to watch. Um, Anything else about him as a player that you'd say, you know, I'd really like to improve that about him. And it's, it's maybe perhaps reasonably attainable. 
I mean, I think the only thing that I, I'd look to is um, is accuracy. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that there's anything else. And I think he's done a, a fairly good job of protecting his, himself, but that always scares me. Like, I would rather him not take any hits, but he takes some here or there, where it's like on a, on a second and 10, uh, he might push to get a first down, whereas I'm kind of like, sometimes I'm thinking it's, Go ahead and take the four, take the six, and slide. But then there's also also that chance that that turns into 30. So it's hard for me to disagree with the decisions that he makes, but it just scares me because it only takes, as we see, even quarterbacks who don't run nearly as much as Lamar, they get hurt from time to time. So it's him being smart when knowing when to take risk and when not to, or take hits and when not to. Yeah, scary to us as well. I want to ask you some other more general NFL questions while we have you here, and we appreciate the time, Dominique. But uh, pass interference instant replay has been a big topic so far this year. As a former defensive back, what do you think about it? Should should this be something that we should be reviewing, or would you prefer it was just called as is on the field given the way it's been reviewed? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that it's something that we should necessarily be reviewing, particularly since it seems like They've gotten the edict to not really overturn any at all. It seems like mostly just a waste of time. Occasionally one of those gets overturned, but it seems unfair. And it seems to kind of um, amplify how unfair the rules are, or at least how unfair the rules are applied because the rules for offensive players and defensive players are same are the same with the balls in the air, but we allow for so much more um, pushing and pushing off for receivers. And when they replay it, it just kind of, puts it all in our face and reminds us about it. And like, as a DB, it's frustrating. Like it's something that I know exists. I know that that unfairness exists and I understand that it's just the way the game is going to be played, but why review it to only then uh, say that it was a legal play when we all can see that I think the rule is uh, create separation or create an advantage uh, in some way. And the receivers do that just about every play. And I guess I'm biased as a DB, but it seems to be clear that they're allowing them to get away with more than they would ever allow a defensive player to. All right. All right. Now, baseball going through that, of course, uh, technology has come so far and we've got the projected strike zone. And now umpires are, are graded a lot in terms of how poorly they're calling pitches during a game when it's a fairly simple matter. I would think the technology is available to call balls and strikes, for example, directly from by electronic means with the umpires only being a backup if that failed. There obviously are things in the NFL that they can protect officials for more by getting the spot of the football, for instance, right. be, better set by uh, by electronic means. So how, how what can the NFL do to have the officiating keep pace with the technology used to inspect it? Yeah, I think that the, the tracking of the ball is, is very easy. They have um, motion sensors and detectors on all the players and uh, and one in the ball. So like, if you wanted to figure out exactly where the ball was, like they could do that. But, uh, my guess is that would take some time at least to figure that out on every play. But yeah, I think the technology is there and it's also just getting comfortable with moving in that direction. I think football's doing pretty well as far as ratings are concerned and people gambling on it and people watching it. So as much as sometimes we as individual teams or individual um, fans get up in arms about a bad call, Overall, the business of football is fine. So I think that the the league is hesitant to make any overarching changes that could potentially kind of upset the apple cart. 
There you go. All right. So the pace of the game would be a concern in doing that. I, I was, it was interesting. I went to UK for the Ravens game, and, and we saw the uh, a little bit of cricket on TV. And the, the technology they use to deal with cricket is unbelievable in terms of heat sensors and all kinds of things to try and determine whether the, the batsman has created some sort of infraction that would lead to an out. And and the, every situation is very high leverage in terms of it being an out. So it's, it's an interesting uh, kind of a juxtaposition to football where they haven't really done, I think, as much with technology as they could have to date. Uh, well, as, wanna... as gambling becomes more, uh, no, as gambling becomes more and more accepted, I think that's part of probably my guess would be that's part of the motivation for um, cricket to be so precise as gambling becomes more accepted in America. I imagine the expectations for the rules to be more closely adhered to and the games to be fair and not, not influenced at all by by the judgment of of other humans. I think that we'll move more in that direction. Yeah, that's fair enough. Are, are you comfortable with the uh, blanketing of professional football with gambling the way it's come, or are you a little bit uh, concerned about the direction the league is going there? No, I'm comfortable with it. I, I mean, it's not like it wasn't going on before. I guess now that we bring it out into the light, I think that's probably better than it was before. But it is interesting. I remember um, back with my days of the Players Association, like when we talked about where to move the Pro Bowl, one of the thoughts was to move it to Vegas, and the league kind of scoffed at that idea that we would go and, and play a game of any of any consequence. And the Pro Bowl is not even of any consequence <laughs> that we would play a game in Vegas and now they have a team there and they're opening the door to, to gambling, which is, it doesn't bother me at all. It's just kind of ironic that eventually the money's going to take you where, wherever and you're going to go, or at least for them, they're going to go wherever they think the money is. Yeah. Well, speaking of the money, one of the things I want to ask you about was the possibility of adding a 17th game to the season. And what will the league likely do with that in terms of trying to expand the, the global reach of the game? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, they're going to go where the money takes you. And the league wants to have 17 games. I think the players obviously don't. But uh, I know that I've heard, and I, I don't have any inside um, connections necessarily to any of this, but I've heard that they've made some interesting proposals to the players as a way to accommodate the the extra wear and tear on them for an extra game. So I think we probably will end up at some point with uh, maybe not 18, but 17 games. Maybe it's just a, an extra round to the playoffs, but or maybe it's an extra regular season game. But I, I'm almost 100% certain that we'll get to that point at some point because there is money to be had there. And as much as I think player safety is a concern, it is not the paramount concern. I think growing the business is the paramount concern. All right. The league perspective, at least. Yeah, I, one thing we've seen recently is something that I think arose from the last CBA, which had a one of the major components of it was to shift top of the first round money to veteran players. They really wanted to limit salaries. I think the players and ownership were actually in lockstep on that in reducing uh, rookie salaries to, to pay veterans a little more, have more cap space available to veterans. Uh, we've seen now some younger players, Jalen Ramsey in particular, is drafted near the top of the first round, fifth or sixth, I forget exactly where unhappy with his first contract and really wanting to move on. Now, there were other things obviously happening with Jalen Ramsey that, that made him unhappy, but does it make it difficult for the players to negotiate a CBA or how do you account for individuals like Ramsey 
and what they may do uh, to, to, to deal with that in terms of, of having a CBA that works for both the older and younger players. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the um, common misconception that, like, uh, that everything in the CBA cuts down pro players or pro ownership line. It's like there are plenty of things in a CBA that divide different segments of owners, that some are good for certain groups of owners and some are bad for other groups of owners. And the same thing is true for the different subsets of players. So I think it's impossible to ever have a CBA that's going to come out and everyone comes out better. I think there are situations where it's made more difficult by the, frankly, what makes it more difficult is that they're often star players who are disproportionately powerful because most of the players in the league are kind of expendable. And so the, the things that are in their best interest are sometimes not in the best interest of the star players. So I think that's a more difficult kind of tight rope to walk. But frankly, having guys like Jalen Ramsey is better. Having guys who are willing to upset the system in some way is better for everybody because that's leverage. Because once, they, once someone like Jalen Ramsey or someone else creates a new avenue to to enact some sort of change, then the league's responsibility or the league's reaction inevitably is to try to tamp that down. And they want to tamp that down by um, imposing new rules and new regulations and new ways to kind of stop that sort of thing. And in, in order to impose something new, you're going to have to give something up. So anytime a, a player can do something like that or find a new way to, to put pressure on the teams, it's better for the players at large. So who knows how the PA is going to use that leverage, but it creates leverage for sure. Okay. Very interesting. Um, now we've seen what's going on with the Miami dolphins right now. And they're very obvious attempt to tank, uh, trading everybody. That's not, that's not the only thing they've done, but they certainly have, have given up on this year. Is that in the interest of the game or, or do we do the, the NFL need to consider a lottery system that will, at least make it not automatically the payoff in terms of a very high value pick. Yeah. I mean, I think losing intentionally certainly has its advantages, but it's also trading away all your players of value to get more and more picks. Um, I'm not sure that there's that there's been a proven correlation necessarily to, to tanking and success, at least in the NFL, you could look around and see that not very many teams have, gone from being terrible to, to being great. We all expected it to happen with the Browns and that hasn't worked out. So there are lots of other ingredients in, in football other than just like having high draft picks. I would hope that we wouldn't have to get to a point where we have to impose some sort of lottery, but maybe we do because I think there are certain things that are just kind of basic tenets that the league is built upon. And one of them is like, you're going to do your best. You're not going to game the system which is essentially what tanking is trying to do. Like you're trying to game the system. And I think it's unfair to the players on your team. Uh, I certainly think it's unfair to, to uh, the other teams around the league to try to carry you. You're not going to bring any draw. No one's going to tune in to see you. No one's going to buy tickets because of you, but you're still going to expect to get revenue sharing money and still expect to have a profitable business. There's no other industry where that would be acceptable or you could run a business and your intent is to put out a sub quality or a, a subpar product and expect to still benefit from it. And you want to just get handouts in order to rebuild your team. So as you can probably tell, it's something that bothers me tremendously, but I, I would hope that we get to a point where, or get back to a point where you just kind of 
don't do that because you understand that that is like a, a basic understanding that you have between teams and between players. And uh, I'm not sure though, that we'll get there. It feels like the cat is kind of out of the bag at this point. Yeah. It's, it, it, I, I don't think it'll work by gentlemen's agreement, frankly, Dominic. I think they really would have to have the top three picks maybe assigned by lottery and then go back. Something similar to what the NBA has seems more likely, but there's such a skew in the top quarterbacks in terms of their value and the ability to trade those top picks for everything, the moon. That that it's uh, you know it's a shame that they they can't be uh, apportioned by another means. Who do you like going forward this year in each conference? I mean, I think it's it's hard to disagree with the how good the Patriots have been on defense, uh, considering how their offense is coming together. And if they're this good on defense going forward, and you only ask Tom Brady to make a couple plays a game, which um, I think he's definitely capable. I don't think he's capable of carrying the team like he's done in previous seasons, but he's capable of doing that. It's hard to to count against them considering their track record, obviously. But the one team that's always seemed to give them trouble has been the Ravens. So I think it's important to to keep them in the AFC. And then obviously if Mahomes comes back, the Chiefs are are terrifying. Um, But I don't know that I have a ton of confidence in – and anybody, anybody else other than that on the AFC side, on the NFC side, it's pretty wide open. Like before the season started, I, I picked the, the um, Packers in part because like I trust Aaron Rodgers and I thought the defense was going to be much better and they have been. So I still feel pretty confident about, about them, but there's a bunch of other teams that could make it like, obviously New Orleans is great. They held on without breeze and they could still get home field advantage. And then you got the, the Vikings that are doing well, the the Bears are obviously no longer, don't seem to be uh, in that conversation anymore considering the regression of that quarterback uh, situation. I guess you asked me to pick and I just started listing teams and telling you things about them that you already know. So it wasn't very great analysis, but if I had to pick one NFC team, I'll stick with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And on the AFC side, I think it's probably safe to go with uh, the Patriots. So I, I picked the Chiefs before the season started. Okay, now I, I, you, of course, played on the 2009 Baltimore team that went in in January of 2010 and absolutely kicked the crap out of that Patriots team, ran the ball 52 times, passed only 10 times uh, to beat them there. Is Does New England have the sort of athletes necessary to stop Lamar Jackson? It's a very well-schemed defense, as I see it, and they've got a couple athletes. They've got Gilmore, certainly, who's who's outrageously good, but do they have really the, the, the set of athletes across the board to stop an offense like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens present? No, I don't think anyone has the athletes to, to stick with Lamar Jackson. I think on most in most games, he's going to be the best athlete on the field. Um, if they have a scheme that can confuse the, the Ravens, I think if any team has it, it would be the Patriots that can confuse them. Um, I think the, the best thing you can possibly do is not be that aggressive, honestly. It's just keep them in the pocket and and uh, just kind of build a a bit of a pocket for him and and make him consistently be accurate and try not to flush him, try not to allow him to make plays with his legs. And he's shown the ability to, to be accurate, but you just got to – I think that's your best thing because uh, otherwise if you cut him loose in your secondary, you're done. All right. Well, Dominique, we can't thank you enough for coming on with us again. Fantastic stuff. Very well done. Very deep. Our audience will love it. Uh, what can we uh, talk about for you? What are you working on currently? 
I don't know, I mean, Josh gave all the stuff that I'm working on, but yeah, just check me out on. Um, how, how many days a week are you on ESPN? ESPN? You're on ESPN uh, almost every day. I turn it on. <laughs> yeah, that's that's enough. Yeah, every day, turn on ESPN, you'll see me. <laughs> I do. I have it in my clients' homes on all the time, and I will always just see you up there. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sorry to your clients that they have to endure that. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> Uh, glad to see, uh, glad always to see you up there and see uh, how that life out of football is treating you very, very well. So far, so good. Thanks, guys. So, all right, have a good day. All right, guys, appreciate it. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.